0: welcome to episode 132 of the Make It British podcast. Today I'm going to be sharing with you a webinar that we did last week which was all about made in the UK labelling, otherwise known as the rules of origin. So exactly what are they? What products can you label as made in the UK? What percentage of a product has to be manufactured here for you to label it as made in the UK? Do the raw materials have to come from the UK? And what are the myths surrounding what can and can't be labelled as made here in the UK? So I hope you enjoy this episode. There are slides and also a video recording of the actual webinar. So I will put a link to those in the show notes for this podcast There is a little bit of background noise. The audio is probably not quite as good as it normally is here because it was recorded in a live webinar environment, but I hope that doesn't spoil your enjoyment. And I'd love to hear from you if you do make products in the UK, if you've got any questions about their labelling, you can always email me at kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. Welcome everyone, thank you so much for coming. And I'm now going to run you through a presentation. It's not that long, and I'm going to try and simplify everything for you and give you specific examples about what can and can't be labelled as made in the UK and what the rules of origin, as they call it, what they actually are. So what are we going to cover today? Well, firstly, let me just tell you, for those of you who don't already know, let me just tell you a little bit about Make It British. Um, We're a membership organisation, also an events company that has been running for nearly 10 years now. And all the companies that we promote and that we have exhibiting at our show all make in the UK. So I've become... um, Very interested, shall we say, in what the rules of origin are in terms of what you can and can't call made in the UK. So what are we going to cover today? Well, firstly, I'm going to talk a bit about the rules and there are several different versions of the rules. So I'm going to cover what they are and try and clarify that and simplify that for you. We're also going to talk about what percentage of a product has to be made here in order for it to qualify. One of the things that we're also gonna cover is whether the raw materials have to come from the UK or not, which is a hot topic. And I know it's one of the issues that lots of people have in understanding the country of origin rules. We're also gonna have examples of what can and can't be labeled as made in the UK. So I've got some specific examples for you and also whether you have to label a uh, a product with its country of origin. So firstly, the government guidelines. Now, I've put a link for you there to the government's website for where you can find the country of origin or the rules of origin guidelines. But actually, I wouldn't bother reading them. I've summarised it here because they're pretty vague on what they actually say. But there are two main categories um, that come within the rules. And the first, first one is goods that are wholly obtained or produced in a single country, and I'll give you an example of that in a minute. And the second one is goods where where the production involves materials from more than one country, and that is where it does get slightly complicated. And currently, because we're in the EU, we follow the EU rules, and I'm also gonna run you through the minefield that is the EU rules on the rules of origin. So to show you the difference of the two different types of whether wholly obtained here or not wholly obtained, firstly, I've got you an example. So the classic and wonderful traditional Fair Isle jumper. Now, if it uses wool that's come from a British sheep, yarn that's spun in Yorkshire, and then that yarn is knitted into a fantastic sweater in Scotland, then that product is wholly produced in the UK. Its raw materials have come from the UK. They've either grown in the UK, they've been harvested in the UK. It's 100% British or UK made. Now that's a really, really simple one. And for the real purists among you, that is a truly 100% British product. However, it's not the only type of product that is classified as made in the UK. So let's go on to what type two is, which is, got an example here, which is a printed dress. So say that this particular dress, the cotton is grown and spun and the fabric is woven in India. Then maybe that fabric travels to Turkey where it's dyed and then printed. Then the fabric comes into the UK and it's stitched at a factory in London. Now, that is obviously not wholly produced in the UK because the separate parts of it are actually coming from several different countries. Now, that can be labelled as made in the UK, and I'll go through the reasons as to why later on. So, the World Trade Organisation is actually the organisation where the, the, where the definition originally comes from, of rules of origin. And even they, on their website, and I have again put the link to their website there, even they are quite vague about the rules, what the rules actually are. In fact, in this statement here, as you can see, if you read that, it does say that generally the substantial transformation, that's a bit of a tongue twister, the substantial transformation is what is universally recognised as whether something can be made here. And I will Talk to you about what substantial transformation actually means in a minute. But also, other countries use change of tariff tariff classification, the percentage criterion, and also the criterion of the manufacturing or processing operation. So, if I've confused you, I hope I'm going to simplify it in a minute, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned what the World Trade Organization rules are, because if you do export, you want to be aware of them. And again, I've put a link there to the World Trade Organization's website. So if you fancy some further reading and some homework on this and really want to dig into this, then go to that. But I'm going to now try and simplify it for you. So the EU, which is at the moment, the rules that we follow in the UK. Now they say, according to the EU protocol on the rules of origin, that there are three main criteria and if your product fits one of them then that defines where the country of origin of your product comes from so firstly they have what's called the value added rule and i'll show you i have a formula for that so for those of you that do like maths we've got a value added formula which i've simplified for you You've also then got the Specific Operations Rule, which applies to certain types of products. And I've got an example for that for you as well. And also the Change of Tariff Classification, which in other words is known as the Substantial Transformation Rule. So what do all of those mean? Firstly, the Value Added Rule. Now this is what they say on the EU website. Value added shall be taken to be the X works price minus the customs value of each of the materials incorporated which originate in the other countries. And what does that look like as a formula? So if you want to work out how the value added formula actually works, what it looks at is the cost of the materials that you import and then how much value you add on them in the UK, and there is actually a formula that you can use to work that out, which means you take your X factory price, which is where or your the price when it leaves you and when you sell it onto your customer, minus the cost of the raw materials divided by the cost of the raw materials times by 100. I'm taking everyone back to their, their GCSE maths here, but if you do that, you get the percentage of value that you have added at your factory. And generally, but not always, because it wouldn't be that simple, would it? But generally, that's seen as being about 40 to 50%. So you need to add on at least half of the value in the country that you want to label the products as. So I've actually even worked you out a formula there. Say you buy in some raw materials from overseas for 10 pounds, you then process it in your factory or your factory processes it for you and sells it to you at 30 pounds using that formula you have added on 200 percent. so you've easily added on enough to the value but like I say that is the one of the EU formulas it is what's used if you're exporting products from the EU to another country you do need to use that formula when you export and also if you're in the UK and you're exporting to the EU. Currently, you don't have to pay the duty if you're making it in the EU if your raw materials are from the EU. So the second rule that they use is the Specific Operations Rule. This method dictates specific production processes that may confer originating status to the goods. Now, what does that mean? Now, in the UK, we've got a really good example of this which is our ceramics industry. Because a while ago, a rule was actually passed um, by, well, it was particularly was to protect the ceramics industry in Stoke, which said that their specific process was the first firing had to happen in Stoke-on-Trent. So, and they did this to protect ceramics that weren't being made in the UK. So we have a big ceramics industry, we had a very big one, in the UK originally in Stoke, and when a lot of those companies moved over to um, to, ex- to other countries to manufacture, what they were doing they were importing the ceramics which they were making overseas, and then just adding uh, a decoration or the glazing here in the UK. So Stoke, what they did to protect the authenticity and the provenance of their products made in Stoke and their ceramics made in Stoke, that they said you have to have done the first firing in Stoke and they passed a law. So that is how they specified the production process for ceramics to be able to call them made in the UK, which actually makes that really simple. If it's not fired, had its first firing in Stoke, then you can't call it made in the UK. Um, but unfortunately, It's not as simple with many different other product types. I wish it was and maybe one day it will, but currently that's one of the main products that it refers to and there aren't many others. Correct me if anyone knows something else um, where that's the case, but I don't think so. And the final rule is the change of tariff classification. So that is when a product is substantially changed to the point that it requires a different classification Sorry, that's my cat scratching away in the background making a terrible racket. Um, <laughs> so that's when a product is substantially changed to the point that it requires a different classification. Of the three methods, this is generally the method used when exporting or importing goods. So what does this substantially changed actually mean? So as an example, and one of the clearest examples is raw material versus finished product. So if you have leather and its product classification is leather. When you turn that leather into a bag, its classification then becomes a leather bag. It has a different end use, and that's the easiest way of thinking about it. Before, it's the skin of a cow. Afterwards, it's something you carry your products around in. So it's a completely different end use, and it has a different classification. It's not always that simple, but I'm gonna give you some examples. So, What we generally use in the UK still and what we use as Make uh, make It British is the Trading Standards Act from 1969. So for want of any other method that has become standard procedure, shall we say, and because everything else is so confusing, the rule that everyone still uses um, is the Trading Standards Act from 1968, which says. Goods shall be deemed to have been manufactured or produced in, which, in the country in which they last underwent a substantial underwent a treatment or process resulting in a substantial change. And until we have a new act or a new law, this is the one that most people adhere to. So, what does that actually look look like when it comes to real life? Well, this is where I have a little bit of a quiz for you and a little bit of a challenge. So I can see you're all quite active in the chat so i'm going to give you some examples and what i want you to do is say yay or nay yes or no do you think it can be labeled as made in the uk based on the substantial change and where the substantial change took place right are you ready so and don't forget if you do have a specific product of your own and i don't cover it as one of the examples here then please do write in the q and I can see a few people have written something already and I will cover those specific products at the end. So firstly, we've got a high-top van. So let's say something, um, well, a, a well-known branded high-top van, um, which is from a company that's not British owned. So uh, the company is not British owned. The parts are imported from overseas, so maybe things like the engine, a lot of the the moving parts, even some of the bodywork, maybe. It's then assembled in a production line in England and it's sprayed and finished here in the UK as well. So what are your thoughts on that? Who's saying yes? Who's saying no? Julie says yes. James says no. I can see lots. I can see the majority of you are saying yes. Yes. Well, I can say that the majority of you are correct. Yes, um, that van can be called made in the UK because the substantial change that took place was when it was assembled in England. So before that, it was a whole group of different parts. You couldn't drive around in it. And they all, you might have something that's an engine, you might have, you know, all the different bits once it's assembled together, that is the substantial change, and that is what defines that as being made in the UK. And for, actually, for instance, Vauxhall makes some of their vans in the UK, and they do label and, and um, promote them as such, even though a lot of the parts come from elsewhere in Europe. Right, brilliant. That was well done. What about the next one? So we've got a diamond ring. Now, the diamond might have come from being mined from somewhere in Africa, Maybe the gold that it was used to mount it in was from outside the UK as well. But the diamond was actually set in the UK and then it was sold um, as a wonderful engagement ring to someone. What do people think there? Yes or no? Oh, you're all doing well. You're doing very well. Right. Okay. So that ring, yes, that can also be labelled as made in the UK. And the reason is when the jeweler went about setting that diamond in the uk they made a substantial change before that it was a precious stone and it was a piece of metal so it was the process in which they set it in the uk and actually what i could have added on there is that the ring was designed in the uk but have had they set that diamond designed it here and then set it outside of the UK again, that would have, wouldn't have counted because the design process doesn't count. It has to be the actual point of a substantial change that physically happened to that product. Right, next one, now, I've probably already given you a clue on this one. So let's see who was listening. So if you've got a mug that's printed in the UK, maybe the, the clay comes from overseas. The first firing is maybe done somewhere like Thailand. Um, But the transfer on it is applied in the UK. What do we think about that? I think everyone's got that right. That is correct. Not British, even though it's got a Union Jack on it. And don't ever be fooled by the Union Jack. That's what I call fake it British. Um, Having a Union Jack on it does not mean it's British or made in the UK. And that is because when the first firing of that mug was done overseas, then... um, that's where the substantial change took place. Right, have we got anyone here that makes furniture? I've got an example here of an upholstered chair. Um, So say the parts of this chair are made outside of the UK. It's assembled overseas but the cloth that's used for it is made here. It's cut and stitched and put and upholstered here in the UK. So it's covered here in the UK, but the frame of it is not from the UK. Now, this one is slightly more ambiguous and more tricky. So what is everyone's thoughts on this one? I think we're split about 50-50 on this. Right, okay. So those that said it wasn't made in the UK were correct. And that is because when the chair was assembled overseas, that's when it turned into the sum of its parts. So fabric, metal legs, um, whatever makes up the body of the chair to when you could actually sit on it. And when it became usable as a chair actually didn't happen in the UK. So that is just finished in the UK. So well done to everyone that got that one right. Now, this is probably the one I get asked more than anything else. And it's about the printed t-shirt. So if you've got some, um, if you've got a, a t-shirt or any item um, that's printed, maybe this t-shirt, the fabric is knitted overseas. You've also had the cloth cut and stitched, maybe somewhere like China, but you've put the print on the front. So maybe it's some substantial decoration has gone onto the front of it. Uh, maybe it's embellished here, printed here. You've sewn the label on in the UK. What do we think about that one? You're getting the hang of this now. The answers are coming through really quick. Now, I think that's pretty much a resounding no from everyone. So you get it. Brilliant. Yeah, that is correct. A T-shirt that's just printed here is still a T-shirt that's made in China. It's just printed in the UK because the substantial change took place in China when it was cut and stitched. It was a T-shirt when it left China, when it got imported into the UK, and it just became a printed T-shirt. Um once it was here at the factory here. So I think this is now my final one, a pair of shoes. Have we got anyone here from the footwear industry because I know this is always a very hot debate amongst the purists in Northampton where we still make a lot of shoes. So the leather may be tanned overseas and many footwear factories do actually stitch their uppers in India. The soles themselves may have been made in China in the uk they will last the shoe which is when they shape it and they will add that sole and finish it in the uk finish it in england even finish it in northampton what do we think about that i can see someone put depressingly yes (laughs) yeah that is true you can because the different parts even if all the different parts were made overseas and sometimes there's a reason for that maybe there's no one that makes those particularly particular molded soles or heels in the uk you have to import those parts you may have stitched the uppers overseas but if the lasting and finishing is done here only at that point does it become a shoe that is a shoe that you can actually wear now, if, you, if anyone that knows the Northampton footwear industry or knows the, the, the British shoe industry, there, there is very much a two groups um, within Northampton of those that import their uppers and generally their brogues might retail for 200 pounds or so. And then those who stitch their uppers here, which is called closing, which is the stitching and do the lasting and finishing here. And those sorts of brogues probably retail, maybe for more like 300, 350 plus. And those are seen as the really pure made in Northampton, made in England shoes. But whereas you can actually label those that have the parts separately. So for instance, um, New Balance trainers, they make a lot of trainers in the UK, but they often stitch the uppers overseas and just do the joining together here. Um, Right. So that is so well done, everyone. I think um, we pretty much got uh, some, everyone was, was pretty much spot on, particularly by the end, you've all got the hang of it. So I hope that's helped you understand some of the basic principles about whether you can label a product as made in the UK or not. Now, the question you need to ask yourself about your product is, does it have the same end use before this process was carried out? That's one of the easiest ways of defining it so for instance with the shoes can you walk around with them um, before or after so it's just a pair of shoes that's hand, hand finished polished painted here but they're actually connected together if you could wear them as a pair of shoes before they arrived in the uk then you can't so i'd love to hear about some of your specific products now's the time to start putting your your questions in the q a if you have a specific product that you want to ask me about um, While you're doing that, I just want to define some of the things as well that definitely, most definitely don't count, but which you will see people use in order to try and um, give people the impression, what I call fake it British, give people the impression that they're making a product here. And they do that because there's a real value to having a made in the UK label um, on a product. And that is the problem. People know That if someone sees made in the UK written on something, they will pay a little bit more for it. They expect it to be quality. It's that stamp of, you know, genuine providence of having made in the UK. So unfortunately, there are some people that will try and mislead people into thinking something is made here. And some of the phrases and the things that are used are designed in the UK. Um, So it can be designed anywhere. But if it's not actually produced here, then then it doesn't count. And But you will see people is, for instance, with Apple, they use that on their iPhones, don't they? Does it say designed in California, but made in China? So still made in China. Um, another one that's slightly more tricky is developed in the UK. And usually that means that maybe the sample process or the initial prototypes. I mean, take Dyson, for instance, with his Hoovers. I think he uses that one developed in the UK or engineered in the UK as well. Might mean that it was developed here, but it doesn't actually mean that the production for the, you know, the full on mass production was actually done here. Um, The other thing is whether a company is British owned or not. Now, again, the purists would say you need to be a British owned company with materials that have grown or been harvested here in the UK and you need to make it here in the UK that would be a truly British product. But unfortunately, a lot of our biggest UK manufacturers, you know, for instance, the car industry, sadly are no longer British owned. It doesn't mean they can't call it made in the UK, but some people do have their preferences to actually prefer to buy from companies which are British owned as well. Um, and also that old trick with just putting labels on here, or some fancy packaging, or maybe a bit of decoration. I don't see so many examples of that happening now, um, but yeah, it does still it does still go on. And if anyone does know about any of this fake it British stuff going on always let me know, let us know here at Make It British, because we like to out those sorts of uh, those sorts of people. Uh, and finally, um, if you do make in the UK, before I go on to your Q&A, that's where you can find us. Um, we are a membership organisation. And if you want to promote your business via our website, which we get 150,000, 180,000 people a month, every month now coming to visit us, then um, we'd love to have you join as a member. So I'll If you're listening to this and you're deciding that you can label your product as Made in the UK and you'd like to find out more about becoming a member of Make It British, then just drop me an email. And if you put in the title, Make It British Membership via podcast, I'll send you a special offer for joining. How does that sound? Right. Okay, I'm back. So let's see what we've got in the queue. And A, right, okay, so um, where should we start? First one, Julianne Moore. Um, I'm making men's yoga and activewear. Fabrics are sustainable from Italy, but products will be made in the UK. Can I label made in the UK? Well, sadly, Julian, you can't do that. If you're actually gonna get them made in Italy, then that is where the assembly is taking place. Now, we have got some good activewear manufacturers in the uk so have you actually looked at the possibility of maybe finding someone in the uk what was the reason that you went to italy i wonder um because actually you'll probably find that it's not much more expensive to make in the uk over italy and i'm sure you've got your reasons um for doing that but currently you wouldn't be even though you're using um Oh, no, I'm sorry, Julian, I've read that the wrong way, haven't I? I've got it completely wrong. Your fabrics are from Italy and your products are made here. Although well, in that case, yes, you can label them as made here. So, And actually, we don't always have, for instance, with a lot of sustainable materials that are used for active wear, there are a few manufacturers that make them here, but there are also some big companies that, in Italy that I know a lot of people use. So, yes, sorry, Julian, you can label that one here. Um Ah, Julie says she's interested to know if there's different rules of origin for made in Wales. Now, currently, Julie, Julie everything um, that applies to the to England also applies to Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland. Now, one thing to bear in mind is that Um, If you use made in Britain, it doesn't actually apply to Northern Ireland um, because it's not part of the United Kingdom, um, whereas the United Kingdom also includes Northern Ireland. But you're talking about Wales. I also think there's a great value to putting something more local on, such as made in Wales or made in London or made in Scotland. Um, So I think um, go ahead and use a made in Wales label. Um, If your raw materials are from outside of Wales, but you're assembling in Wales, then you can use made in Wales. If you only have part of it assembled in Wales, or if you're based in Wales, but you're assembling it in England, then you obviously couldn't use made in England, you'd want to use made in the UK. Um, Ah, so I've just answered Lisa's question there, which was, is there a difference between made in England and made in Britain? Um, No, there's not. So, uh, sorry. Yes, there is. I'm, I'm losing it now. Yes, there, there is a difference. And I've just explained that and that made in Britain doesn't include Northern Ireland. Right, Lisa. Um, now that we all understand the difference between being made in the UK or not, UK manufacturers will label their goods appropriately. Is there any legislation to prevent foreign manufacturers from mislabelling their products as being British when they are not made here, according to the rules? Well, yes, Lisa. Yes, because when they import their products into the UK, then they have to state the country of origin according to the rules that apply in that particular country. So it may be that they're using the valid value-added rule or the classification rule. So they shouldn't be able to do that. The only way they would technically get around that they were really sneaky is to import them relabel them here in the UK completely repackage them and then put them up for sale um so if you do hear of that going on then please let me know because that shouldn't really happen but they couldn't bring something in with a made in UK label on because technically it wouldn't get past customs um, if they did that um Someone else has asked. Hardware is made in Italy. Bag is stitched in Turkey, but finished in the UK. Can it be labelled as made in the UK? Unfortunately, um, that one can't because it turned into a bag in um what country did you say turkey so it turned into a bag in turkey so unfortunately um that person that's an anonymous attendee i can't um yeah that one would have to be made in turkey i'm afraid no matter what sort of embellishment or finish you did in it because it's still a bag um Pete has asked, given the somewhat liberal requirements for labouring labelling as made in the UK, how can a business highlight just how much is actually done in Britain? Pete, that's a great question. And the more you can tell people about that, the better. I mean, joining organisations like Make It British who check out your provenance um, and basically give you that stamp of authority to say, yes, we made it here and Make It British um, uh, Corroborating that for us is one way to go. I mean, a lot of our members that make it British, they use videos to show where their products are made. Anything you can on your website, your social media, to demonstrate how you make your product and where it's made so that people really can see the provenance of it really does help as well. So make it part of your whole brand DNA that you make in the UK. If you're gonna make in the UK, it's gonna cost a bit more, so make sure you tell everyone about that. You know, Get factories of your photographs if you're not making it yourself and actually show um, how and where it's made. Julie's asked, I'd like to to ask where I stand regarding embroidery kits. Since I'm selling a package of prepared raw materials and a self-designed pattern, the materials may or not have been made in the UK, although I'm doing my best to source UK. Well, Julie, uh, with that, the place where it took a, a substantial change, so you turned it from lots of raw materials into a kit, You did also add a lot of value by doing that. So if you were doing the value added rule on that, you might want to look at that formula if you can bear to do the maths and work that out. So what was the cost of the raw materials compared to what you then sold that product on as a kit? Um, I do know people that sell things in kits like that, and they do sell them as made in the UK because they've added all that value on and because it's gone into a substantial change when it turned into a kit but that is one of the more woolly ones. If you it was, you were exporting that product, I mean, you were using the EU rules, you would use the value added rule on that, which would say that the majority of the value, I would imagine you added here by um, by turning that into a kit. And actually, did you say that some of the products were actually made here? Yes, you did. Yeah, so I would run that through the value added calculation if I was you. Someone else said, post-Brexit, will it be safer to label products made in United Kingdom instead of made in England or Scotland? That is a very good question and one we don't really know. I'm certainly going to look into doing an update on this post-Brexit once we're out of the EU. Um, I don't think it's something the government have really thought extensively about at the moment um, in how this is all going to work. I would imagine we will follow the EU rules for quite a while until they think of a new rule of doing it, i.e. it's the value added or the change of classification. Um, So who knows, watch this space on that one. Um, I have a question about notebooks, Lindsay says. If the paper is produced overseas, but it is imported, printed and converted into a notebook, does that count? It still has the same end purpose, I suppose, but it has been transformed. That's a really good question, Lindsay. The way I would look at that is the classification. So before it was classified as paper, after you've classified it as a notebook, so it is a different product type. I know what you mean. You could actually write on both products. You could write the paper, but it has become a different type of product and then it has become a notebook. So it has changed its classification. So technically on that one, I would say, Yes. Um, Dawn has asked, if I use an item of clothing, e.g. a tweed adult jacket, which may not have originated from the UK, and I change it and recreate it into a child's waistcoat and shorts, can I say it was made in the UK? That's a really good question. Well, well done you, Dawn, for doing the upcycling. Um, So you're taking an adult jacket, and you're turning it into a child's waistcoat wow well done you well yes because it's changed um it's become a waistcoat and previously it was a jacket you have made a substantial change because it's then for kids um and that's upcycling isn't it so the upcycling and the value that you've added here has been done by you um, in your workshop yourself so that's a really good question, because actually, back in the day, I used to have a business and that's what I used to do. We used to recycle old cashmere jumpers, for instance, into new ones, um, which did mean taking them apart and putting them back together again. So in that respect, it is a substantial transformation because um, you know, it's not like you're just cutting the cuffs off, are you? So, yeah, I would say, yes, you can definitely call that Made in the UK. Adette um, has asked... Uh, can you label a product that shows that it is made in the uk and shows that it is not a fake uk product i currently use a gb flag label but i know that anyone can sew them into any garment thanks a debt from novel habit yeah well that's a really good question unfortunately like i said earlier there is a lot of opportunity for people to fake it at the moment um so I think the best thing you can do is actually to demonstrate properly that you are genuine. Tell your customers about actually where you made your product from. People are pretty good at sussing out what is and isn't um, made here um, once they look behind the initial label. You'd be surprised. So, um, yeah, that would be my answer to that one. Um, James says he makes beard Balm and oil, some of my more mater- raw materials are imported from overseas from my UK suppliers. And with my bottles and containers are made overseas, but then all put together here in Yorkshire. Now, actually, I was thinking about, um, James, I was actually thinking about putting some sort of beauty or cosmetic or um, men's grooming product into the slides. Maybe I should have added added it. Technically, yes, you can call that made in the UK because you've actually completely changed its end use Um, by mixing it all together so yes you can and that is one of the things um, for the beauty industry a lot of different um, oils and things are imported provided you're not just bringing in one oil um, in a bottle and chucking the label on it I don't think that's what you're saying you're doing if that is what you're doing you're just relabeling it here no if you're mixing it all together here so it's changing Um, its format and you're substantially changing it, then yes, you can. Um, Peter's asked, will the slide deck be available? Yes, it will, actually, definitely. And I'll put the links that are on the slide deck to the EU website, the government website, um, the World Trade Organization, just in case anyone fancies a bit of bedtime reading. I will um, send out the slides via email after the presentation. Hopefully with the recording, if I've managed to um, to get all the recording right. Someone else said, how about products that come as pre-sewn blanks that are imported? I presume you're talking about something like a T-shirt. Um, if they come in as a blank, then then no, because that is, that is a blank and all you're doing is adding on the design. Um, is there a specific made in UK sign that we need to use or can we have one design? You can do whatever you want in terms of how you tell your customers that it's made in uk Stephen, so you can design that however you want um whether you want to use the union jack union flag or not we're generally moving away from that um at make it british because sometimes it's been used so much by people who are just putting a flag on things to make it look british that um I think it can almost look a little bit too patriotic and not about actually the genuine sort of manufacturing and quality provenance of a product. Um, Even though there was quite a lot of Union Jacks in this presentation. (laughs) Um, Lisa said she paints silk scarves with bolts of silk. Can I label my scarves hand painted and handmade in the UK? Now, Lisa, with your scarves, are you already bringing them in as Finished scarves, but just painting them, or are you bringing them in of pieces of fabric? I think you are, and then you're hemming them and and printing them yourself, painting them yourself. In which case, you can label them as made in the UK. Um, If you're bringing them as completely finished scarves and then painting them, that's kind of similar to the uh, to the printed T-shirt, and then it was already a scarf when it left the other country so then technically you can't um ah so that ties in with what vj's just asked which is that if he stitches the edges in the uk can you call it made in england well yes you can because before it was a piece of fabric and after that um you were, it was changing its classification from fabric to scarf um Becky says that she makes wartime clothing from the nineteen forties. Ah, I think I remember what your brand is, Becky. Yes, brilliant. I've seen them; they're wonderful. Um, and you hand make everything in Yorkshire with fabric from overseas. Is there any value in labelling "Made in Yorkshire" over "Made in Britain"? Well, I would think that anyone in Yorkshire would say yes. Label it as "Made in Yorkshire." In fact, um, it, you know, a lot of a lot of the woolen mills specifically say that it, they're made in Yorkshire. Um, You've got companies like Abraham Moons there, haven't you? Which they use Made in Yorkshire. I'm pretty sure they do on their website as well. So more and more people are interested in buying things which are locally made. And if you're aiming at selling to other people in Yorkshire who particularly care about supporting skills in Yorkshire, then I would say definitely go ahead um, and label them as Made in Yorkshire. So you could also test it out and see, you know, when you – out maybe an email promotion to your customers and you talk about made in yorkshire over made in england does that get you more people buying your products um do the test and see or survey your customers and ask them did they buy from you because you had made in yorkshire on it or did they buy from you because they loved your 1940s vintage inspired clothing um so just test and see that's the best way there's not really any definitive yes it's better to label as made in the uk or made in london or made in britain or or made in yorkshire um there isn't any particular best or worst it is a question of what is best for your brand really do you make that part of your brand that you're actually made in yorkshire okay another cosmetics question about cosmetics powder which is from china um, but it's packaged in the uk and the bottling and assembling is in the uk well assembly is a word often used, as you saw earlier, by the World Trade Organization and by the EU, as if, if it was assembled in this country, then there, yes, it can be labelled as made in the UK. So I would say yes to that one. Um, Sunil has got a writing instrument. Aha. Also, is it a pen or something, Sunil? We do have some members that Make It British who make pens, um, and they make them in the UK, but I think some of the materials come from outside of the UK. Um, so, Leanne Gilly. We manufacture knitwear in the UK, but some of our lines are manufactured in the EU. The is from Yorkshire, can they be labelled as made in the UK? Unfortunately not, um, if you're actually making them in the EU then you would have to um, label them either as made in the EU or move your production to the UK. We've got some great knitwear manufacturers here in the UK. It's one of our strengths, especially if your your wool is coming from Yorkshire. Leanne, if you're based in the UK, I would say find some of the manufacturers in the UK that make uh, knitwear here and maybe look at changing your production. Um, Maybe that's something you're thinking about. Hello, Maurice. How are you? So, Maurice has asked, is Made in England accepted by overseas customs? That is a really good question, Maurice, actually. Um, Technically, in the EU, they want you to label as Made in the EU, but no one really pays attention to those rules because if you buy something from Made in Germany, they don't put Made in the EU on it. That's a really good question. I would imagine so. I mean, when you fill in the customs, they're going to ask you, which country it was actually made from. I will tell you what, I'm gonna follow up with you on that one because I'm gonna find out um, whether made in England is okay. I suppose it depends what you put in on your paperwork rather than what's actually on your product with that one. Natalie says, if we sell bags and backpacks and want to sell them as made in the UK, how much of the bag would have to be made here? Well, okay, so Natalie, I suppose a bit like the shoe, if you so wished on a bag that you wanted to make half of the, you know half of it um the pockets maybe and then stitch them together as a bag if it was still usable as a bag before it arrived in the uk then you would have to label it from the country where the assembly took place that turned it into a bag um, it would be good to get an example of what that actual product is um maybe pop that in the chat because um, I can see we're getting to the end of the questions, and um, and I'll it would I'm think imagine you're talking about having the bag made elsewhere. If it's, especially if it's a backpack and it's quite labour intensive, you're probably making the majority of it elsewhere. Um, ah, thank you to Keith. Ah, so I can see Keith just popped up in the chat, and Keith is actually a bag manufacturer. Hello, Keith, how are you? So you cannot have made in England. Um, on your documentation you have to have made in the uk but only on your documentation yeah that's what i thought keith brilliant so you can use made in england made in britain whatever you want on your products but on your documentation if you're exporting you need to have made in the uk brilliant keith thank you very much for that that saves me having to trawl through the website and the documentation myself because the eu website is just um, not easy to navigate with rules like that um and finally i've got james hello james from british millerain i thought you might ask this question so using the value added formula right so for james here is from a fabric company called british millerain aren't you james and the fabric is woven outside of the uk it then comes into lancashire where you you dye it you finish it And you use it for outerwear. So you wax a lot of your fabrics, don't you, at British Millerine James? Now, if you use the substantial change rule, then technically you couldn't label it as made in the UK. However, as you've just pointed out here, if you use the EU rule of value added, you are adding 150 to 250%. By all the extra processes you're adding on that fabric so as it stands at the moment james i would imagine i'm sure you export your fabric already you export that fabric as made in the uk because you're adding all that extra value on so um, yes you can um, who knows whether the rules may change when we leave the eu and whether you may have to do the weaving here as well um, going forward when you export it's going to be one to watch which i'm sure is the reason you came to this webinar because you wanted to find out. So yes, you've used the formula um, and I would say currently yes when it comes to export. Brilliant. So I think that's everyone's questions. Thank you very much everyone for joining. So I hope you found that useful. I'm going to put the slides, as I said before, with the show notes of this podcast, which you can easily find at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash 132 as well as a link to find out more about becoming a member of Make It British. So I hope to hear from you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. So make sure you subscribe in your favourite podcast app. And if you're looking to find British made brands or UK manufacturers, check out the directory on the Make It British website at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash directory. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.